Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Oh, it's high energy today. <laughs> What's up? Welcome into the Orange Zone podcast. That football music slaps. You know what it was? It's that last like bass drop. I think the it's boom, the beginning. Boom, boom. boom. No, not for you. <sighs> I mean, hopefully it gets the listeners as excited as we are. Wow. But that one that one hit hard this week. Like Big I, fan. put me on the field. Put, put me, me on the in, field. Coach. Put me in, coach. I'll get clothesline for that. I'll do anything. <laughs> I will put the body on the line. Well, thanks for tuning in. This is the Orange Zone Podcast, a warm wedding, award-winning Orange Zone Podcast. I'm Tommy Sladek. This is Samantha Crosson. We have Brendan Hodges on the producer mic. If you're watching on YouTube, what's up from the Skycam? Um, thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. Find every episode on our CMY Central YouTube page, as well as Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. New episodes are released Wednesday. We invite you to like and subscribe. This episode is going to be primarily focused on some Syracuse football. I might talk a little Syracuse men's soccer, the defending national champions. Um, we have LaQuinn Allen back. We have a last-minute transfer from Nebraska coming in. So a lot going on here in the few weeks leading up to this new season uh but first off sam you you've had a day today i've had a week i've maybe even had a month but i've definitely had a day um yeah you know we went to the dentist had to get get a couple things mm-hmm. filled in um i'm hoping i don't have a lisp but i will say that they're lisp lisp but i do have a couple areas in my mouth that are completely numb right now Can't what went what them. went down was this like just a novocaine day this is just a classic couple cavities Man. getting them filled in but i had a couple they're like we're gonna rip them all at once so i actually got three needles one on the top right one on the top left one on the bottom right woof how you feel like how does your face are you do you still kind of feel like if you were to take a sip of water that it would just drip down your face like i can't feel my face when i'm with you but i love it you know what i mean yes <laughs> well played i give you i give you applause for that I had to think that through a little bit. I think that through. No, I mean I'm okay. I'm okay. The only time I can feel it really is I was trying to put on like lipstick before. Yeah. Like look what I'm trying to put my two lips together. Mm. Something's going. Something's not going right. Well, you sound fine. Okay. And so hopefully those at home feel the same way. I think they should. Hodges, how you doing, bro? Dude, I'm doing good. We're yeah. we're ready to go. It's football season, um, which is the best type of season. I got my laptop for my uh, side gig today, which was exciting. I just stay at home an extra two hours to wait for it to show up, though. Tell nice. the listeners what yeah, your side well, gig tell is. Us, though. Tell us about your side. No, gig. for it's sure. A cool so jo- it's a cool job. I do work for the National Football League. You know, or the well, depending on also known as the NFL. Also known to haters as the No Fun League. That was a couple <laughs> years ago. No, uh, it's very fun. Um, I get to get paid to watch football and cut highlights for NFL.com, the NFL app, and then those, like, if you go onto their website, you see this five, six-minute game uh, recap videos where it's just, like, highlights. I put those together, quality check them, send them through. So started 
technically my first day was yesterday, but I was here, so I couldn't sign off for the laptop. I was able to sign off for it today, and I'll be able to like set everything up and then hopefully be cutting preseason games uh, later this week. I'm also nice. going through a, like, I need to be there for a package. And, and you're just never there. I'm never there. But they need... Like Amazon, those types of places, like they normally have like a code to get into my building or whatever, like to tap in. FedEx right now, it is blowing their minds as to how they could possibly get into this building. Yeah, but FedEx is always the one fumbling the bag. But it was, fe- I will, it was FedEx fe- or it's man. UPS. It was FedEx fumbling. De- uh, delivering my package today. Amazon oh, well, always finds their way in there. Never have a problem with it. I can't really like bash on them too much because my girlfriend's mom works for FedEx. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. We got to limit that then. Yeah. But anyway, it's it's tough out in these streets trying to get a package right now. Just is. <laughs> but anyway, let's get into it. Let's talk some football. Let's get into the nitty gritty. The biggest thing today, um, right now is Tuesday. This is coming out Wednesday. I was over at camp this morning. Some of my favorite parts of the season are being able to go to these practices. And the biggest thing, that I think a lot of people wanted to see right away when they got there, is number 20's back. Quinn Allen, officially back on the team after what was a chaotic little summer involving him that was originally a suspension handed down from Syracuse University for his involvement in a uh, on-campus-slash-off-campus fight, I guess we'll call it, that happened last December. They tried to suspend him for the summer and fall semesters that would have put pretty much his football career in jeopardy at Syracuse. He ends up suing. It ends up getting taken care of. And it times out when that summer session ended that LaQuint's back the next week. So we can kind of put two and two together on the type of resolution they came to in which he is back for the fall semester, which means he is back in training camp and he is back out there in orange. It's so exciting. And For multiple reasons, but just knowing he's back, I see Brennan has here that big question for the team being, what are the expectations for SU's new number one back? And I'm excited to see what kind of role it develops into. I definitely think that, you know, I see him in that Sean Tucker kind of role where he's just building and growing as he gets older. That being said, I feel like when I looked at the Syracuse football team over the course of the last few years, let's say, when Sean Tucker was there, One issue I felt like they kept running into over and over again was that they kind of sometimes looked like a one-trick pony, and the pony was Sean Tucker. I think that LaQuint Allen's role is going to be to do what he does best, but also kind of open up the field for some other opportunities. I think if this team was a little more diversified, they were relying more on multiple threats instead of primarily on Sean Tucker, which I feel they tried to do at times and it wasn't effective. I think you'll see a different kind of offense. It's funny you mention that because the one of the thing, one of the few times that we really got to see LaQuint do his thing was later in the season with Sean was out, whatnot. Yep. And one of those was the Wake Forest game where we were able to see exactly what you're talking about, that diversified spread out offense in the second half. And one of that was a LaQuint Allen. I can't remember if it was a wheel route or what it was, but it was him catching a pass, which we've seen a few times. So he's definitely a versatile back, and I think you're right about the one-trick pony. But last year, whether it was you know the stuff that Sean was dealing with internally with that you know undisclosed injury or if it was just other teams adapting – it did feel like at times that he was the one that was quiet and it was the passing game. It was the Aronde Gadsden and Garrett Schrader show that ended up being the recipe for success. So ultimately, I think we're going to this offense with Allen will feel like that. I think it'll be there will be a very um, 
a very aesthetically pleasing balance to how Jason Beck and Dino Babers get this thing moving. That's actually a great way to describe it because that's what I mean. I really feel like this team would be their most successful version, at least from an offensive standpoint, if it's like a maybe 20% split across, you know, five different people or five different sure. options. You want a little bit of Schrader, a little bit of Gaston, a little bit of Allen. You know what I'm saying? Mixing and matching, making it hard for the defense to know exactly what you're going to do. I think that that is something that, that can make them really successful. I'm really interested to see how that all works out. Like you said, Sean Tucker last year was a little quiet at times. And I really felt like in the bowl game when we saw LaQuint Allen playing, a big difference between the two of them. I don't know. LaQuint Allen just looked... Honestly, like he's younger, of course, but just like less beaten down. Like he looked so, he popped up so quickly. You know what I mean? Any tackle wouldn't get him down. He just seemed like he had so much juice in him, so much fight. A lot of balance. And one thing that is different, and seeing him out there today, he wasn't in full pads. Yeah, the shoulder pads on was in shorts. And I guess maybe that's just a part of getting him back into the swing of things. But, um, you know, seeing his frame is he's a much leaner build yes. than Sean Tucker. He reminds me a lot more of like a Miles Sanders. Um, not Sean, as, Tuck was a, Sean Tucker was a brick. And that's a, that's that's the part I have to remind myself. I'm like, oh yeah, this is more what the average college running back's looking like. Sean <laughs> was a brick house, a refrigerator of a human being. So He was speaking, so compact. Speaking of Sean, um, got to watch a little bit of him in his first preseason game with the Bucks. The stat line that you look in the box score, it was six carries for 10 yards, and you're like, oh, okay, not nothing nothing too crazy and eye-popping. But he did have a 12-yard touchdown that was called back. So technically not a touchdown uh, at all. But this play was really fun to watch, and he had that bounce where he was able to break through a tackle, a.k.a. tree trunks of legs, and then just had that burst and cut of speed to the outside that we knew so well with him in his orange days. So wishing Sean the best of luck with that. As for LeQuint, again, didn't really get to see too much out of him today. I think he was a little bit limited in what they had him do but um very excited for him and as we move to the defensive side of the ball there's a guy I want to touch on because he is already at camp and I was watching him out there today news came over the weekend on Sunday I believe it was that Syracuse last minute added a new safety and his name is Miles Farmer and he comes from Nebraska and he's not the first Nebraska transfer we've had this year and it's not the first time we've seen players go to Nebraska or a coordinator, mm -hmm. a.k.a. Tony White. So he was supposed to be playing for Tony White. And at the beginning of fall camp, so this was a few weeks ago, um, he was suspended by new Cornhusker head coach Matt Rule, who I knew well from my time um, you know, doing student broadcasting at Temple. And he suspended him for failing to adhere to team standards. He then entered the transfer portal and joined SU. And... One of my biggest question marks for this is why is this man the right guy to bring in? Now, there's one thing that you can't dispute, and that's that this dude's a baller. He was second on the team in tackles last year on the defense, playing in only 11 games. He missed the 12th Y because he was suspended for a game because he was um, arrested on suspicion of a DUI last November. He ended up pleading no contest. He was on house arrest for seven days. So that was kind of, you know, an, an X on his story. We get into this fall, and he's suspended for not adhering to team rules. And Matt Rule said it wasn't anything do we major. Know, yeah, do we know what the team rules not were? Not details, but it, was, it seemed like it was the little things, right? I don't know if it was just late to multiple practices, didn't do this, didn't do that. It wasn't anything major. Um, and I asked Dino Babers about that because I said – you know, given his history, why was this the right person to bring in? 
And he basically said, which was what I was expecting, we did our homework on him. We found out what was going on, and it's something that we can work with type of thing. And ultimately, when you look at the Nebraska situation, here's a guy that kind of maybe already had a strike, right? And you have a new coach coming in, and a new coach needs to earn respect. And it kind of sounds like Miles Farmer was just on the other side of that. Um, But anyway, big dude and could certainly come in and make an immediate impact on this backfield given that they lost Garrett Williams last year, they lost Jahad Carter to the transfer portal, and they lost Deuce Chestnut to the transfer portal. So he's someone that could come in and end up seeing serious minutes right away. And I mean, that right there, you ask why is he the right guy? All of the people who you just listed who are no longer with this team, that's why he's the right guy, essentially. (laughs) Yes. That's why he's the right guy, but... I mean, the exact same thing popped into my mind from a team culture standpoint. We know Dino Babers is really big on the Ohana, the family. How did he know? You know, I feel like even with any player when you're recruiting, it's the same way when you're an employer and you're figuring out who your employees are going to be. You just don't know a ton about the person until a few weeks or a few months down the line. I literally even feel like it's the same way with like dating somebody. Like you just don't know until a few months down the line exactly what you signed up for. But... I think Dino Babers is the kind of guy where if this guy got off on the wrong foot in Nebraska or there was there was a strike, there were a couple of incidences, I feel like Dino Babers is the kind of guy who will still give him the benefit of the doubt, give him a chance to prove himself in a new environment because the bottom line is you just never know the full story. There's the one story, there's the other story, the truth is somewhere in the middle, and hopefully Dino Babers found it. You're right, and it's not the first time that he's been given – known to give players a chance that have come from other schools. And maybe sometimes it's been a a rocky journey to get there. So we shall see. So, you know, ultimately right now we have Justin Barron and Elijah Clark probably is the two that we expect to be in that backfield. I saw him today, you know, taking reps with maybe the second team or third team. But ultimately you want everyone to be pushed in training camp. And this is going to push every guy at that position to try to be their best. Let me ask you an off-topic question. Go for it. At training camp today – Anyone who has really stood out to you over the last few times you've been there or anyone who's really impressed you, kind of jumping off the page? Ooh, great question. Great question. I mean, I will say there is one thing that this camp has solidified to me over the past few weeks. Aronde Gadsden's that dude. He's that dude. dude. And he comes to work, and this man gives it everything. But watching him in one-on-ones is just so impressive. And you can tell that anytime there's even you know a, a rare bat down by the defense or if it's it could be even a bad throw but he he isn't able to bring it in, the defender's celebrating because it just goes to show you that it doesn't happen that often. Yes, absolutely. And so that's that's my guy where it's like he is that dude. And it was, as we talk about the spreading of the offense, end of the day, he's become the type of the player, in my mind, where he's kind of like a DeAndre Hopkins out there, where if the rest of the offense maybe is not clicking, you find your guy. You find your guy, and he's the guy. And he's the guy. And so I think when in doubt, if some other things aren't working, Schrader's going to try to find him on the field. And what and about chances Schrader? are it's going to work. How has Schrader looked to you? Looks fine. I mean, they're, you know, each practice is a little bit different, but from my point of view, he's doing just about everything that the other guys are doing. Um, he didn't do the full participation in the scrimmage over the weekend, mm-hmm. which was their first time going at it, Dino Baber said. But he goes, the thing we're wanting to do right now is he's like, we want him to get sore. 
which is interesting. He's like, we want there to be fatigue in his arm. Because I asked him, like, do you mean like from a, a benching standpoint? Is he in the weight room? Is that what you mean by soreness? But he's, he's like, no, we need his arm to be fatigued and get sore to where it's it's repairing itself and it's getting stronger. It's the same thing where like you hear guys say they love getting hit the first time in an actual game. Yeah. Because in this camp, you're not doing that. It's the same thing at the professional level, at the high school level. You need to get hit by somebody a couple times before you're fully ready to play and fatigue for the arm is what you're going to feel over the course of a game over the course of a season even during the bye week like the guys don't fully rest up over that bye week it's so true there's still fatigue so he he makes sense in that regard i mean you even think about just building a muscle whenever a muscle is building there are little mini tears and that's how it builds it Mm -hmm. just so i understand why he said that and i to your point brendan i do feel like once you're kind of in the thick of a season even though there is more wear and tear for some reason you still just feel better you're already kind of rehabbing it you're in the ice bath you're doing everything you need to be doing it is a different feeling i agree with that kind of once you're already there Definitely. I'm, I'm, all, I'm all in on that, too. Um, so ultimately, yeah, I, I like what I'm seeing and I'm, I'm comfortable with what we're going to be expecting from week one. And I haven't seen any indication that he's not going to be ready to go. I, I heard there was like a big catch this weekend or something. I don't know if you were there for that or heard about that. <sighs> there it's it's there's a big catch. It feels like every week. But uh, Damian Alford has been apparently making some jaw droppers. He did some jaw droppers last year. He's had some at practice. I think he's been doing it. I think that is uh, one of the guys that made a big play over the weekend. So I that mean, was someone that Babers pointed God out God knows well. they need something on the outside. I know Gadsden's great and the running game is great, but that's your middle third of the field. And if teams know that's where you want to go, they just stack that in there, play one-on-one on the outside. So to have a guy outside is yeah. really going to help Aranda and Garrett and, and LaQuint in the long run when you want to use the middle of the field to your advantage. 100%. Not you got to have another threat. Someone who's making just some really showy plays like that, just absolutely show-stopping, that's just good for the fans. It's good for everybody. I love those plays. Those are the kind of plays that show up on your timeline all throughout the course of the season. They keep on getting you excited over and over again. I mean, I hope this fan base is excited because this receiving core is – good like they're really good and I'm excited for fans to see Isaiah Jones again he ended up getting hurt in that Purdue game and he was done for the season he number 80 is going to impress you this year Trevor Pena is going to be doing his thing but if 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 they're able to get Damian Alford cooking early and you again have those prominent very clear one two threats on the outside it's just going to open up this field but the biggest question mark for me still right now is going to be how well this offensive line adjusts to losing Matthew Bergeron and to having some new pieces and new very important places. So because of that, they are my biggest question mark going into this new season. How does that offensive line perform? There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. So uh, before we get out of here, producer Brendan's weekly trivia. You guys ready for it or what? Oh, I'm ready. I'm set. Let's do it. Uh, you guys aren't ready for this. I, I will say um, the basis of this week's trivia are By the all way, the... Um, I don't know if you saw Moten and I, I was gonna, got it right. Wait, can, so, yeah. can someone recap? Brendan said he got roasted t- again. Yeah, we did. We we crushed them. They I got the first remember. question. It was um, the two original charter members of the ACC that are no longer in the conference. 
Maryland and South Carolina, I think it was. Yeah, they, yeah. they were very Gosh, methodical about it and got it right. I wasn't too mad about that, but then Moten pulled out the turntable and was like, I have a trivia question for you, guru. Wait, that and really does sound like, like him. <laughs> like, Who was the first coach for Bayheim's Army in the TBT? And I said Ryan Blackwell, and it was Lawrence Moten. No. You got to go back. Wait, and that's an awesome question. Yeah. It was a great moment. And Tommy was the smart one and shut his lip. And I, I was, he said it, I was, I was like, so confident. You knew? You knew his answer? I just had a feel, Just the way he asked it, I'm like, I know that this answer is going to be. But, that's, oh, that's funny. That's Tommy that's for stuff. No, I had no clue that was what the answer that's was. Great. Um, anyway, uh, today's question brought to you by the various preseason awards that SU players are being considered for. There are a lot of them. There were two more uh, that were mentioned today. Marlo Wax for the Lombardi Award. And I believe Garrett Schrader was put up for the Danny Werfel Trophy or no, the Manning Award. Got it. Um, there are seven I'm focusing on. They're the ones that were mentioned before today. Um, seven awards major the Maxwell, the O'Brien, the Boletnikoff, Hornung, Walker, Ben Narek, Butkiss. Players from Marlowe Wax to Aranda Gadsden to Garrett Schrader, Laquin Allen's up for the Doak Walker. Out of those seven awards, how many has an SU player won before? I have to say. That is a phenomenal question. Like, uh, out of those seven, so that's seven total. There are seven total awards that are mentioned. Out of those seven, how many has an SU player won ever? Could be zero, could be seven. Okay, okay. so we're, so, we're, we're well, working with zero through seven. Wait. Oh, okay, I'm right? seeing that. Okay, so Brendan, it's the... Brendan, you're, you're so saying... It's so it's the... So walk me through your seven again. The Maxwell, okay, which is the quarterback. Or well, no, no overall, it's the best sorry. player in college football. Got the O'Brien is the best quarterback, and there are a couple of awards that focus on yeah. that. The O'Brien is the most well recognized. The Boletnikoff, best receiver or pass catcher, I guess is a better way to say it. Um, the Hornung, most versatile player. The Doak Walker, best running back. The Bednarik, I believe, is the best defensive player, and the Buttkiss is best linebacker. Yeah, that is right. And I learned this week that these awards, most a lot of these awards are through high school too. Like people get these awards in high school, people get them in the NFL, which is it's cool. This is an award that trans. A lot of these awards transcend all levels of football. Yeah, which is really cool. You guys are writing down the awards on the uh, notes today, so you can Correct. remember them, right? Yep. There we go. Okay. All right. So, how many have they won? I. I'm going to say between between Don McPherson and Donovan McNabb that an SU player has won the O'Brien. So let's check mark that. Okay. I think... I'm writing it. If, um... Hmm. I feel like it's a toughie today. It is. I'm going to say Dan Conley has probably won the Buckus Award. What's the what's the Lombardi for? Uh, the Lombardi is not mentioned. I didn't mention that in this question. That's like. There's some really specific criteria to it that I figure it's not like the general best of this category award. 
I think the Lombardi brings in all offensive linemen, linebackers, anybody that plays within the tackle box and less than 10 yards deep. Got it. So there's just there are too many like criteria for that. I kept it simple. I'm actually just going to just lock in my guess now based oh, on things right. you've already discussed. All right. And I'm going to just say four. And that's that's just what I'm going to lock in. What are your four that you, you think? I think I will go O'Brien. Buck, it's Buckus, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lombardi. And L- L- again, the Lombardi is not part of the seven. Oh, it's I not? Have. No. Maxwell, Maxwell O'Brien, O'Brien, Beletnikoff, Hornung, Walker, Bednarik, Buttkiss. Um, Walker. If we want to include the Lombardi, we can include the Lombardi too. I'll, I'll add it to the list. Let's say out of the eight. Okay. Um, I'm I'll not going to include the Werfel because that's not performance-based. It's like – and it's actually probably a better word. It's performance-based and also community service that these quarterbacks do. But I'm focusing more on the performance-based awards. I'm going to go six, final answer. Everyone but the Boletnikov. Wow. Everyone but the – and – if we're adding the Lombardi to that, did they win that, Tommy? Because the, the Lombardi is what? That would be number eight. And that's a linebacker again. Uh, it was like linebacker, offensive lineman, defensive lineman. It's yeah. It's, it's just stay a, with I'm six. Gonna say, stay with six. I'm gonna stay with four. Okay. And well, I'm gonna <laughs> wait. So so we're including the Lombardi. Yes. And I'm gonna go with five. And I'm gonna tell you, you're both wrong. Way wrong. The answer is two. <laughs> Same guy won both in the same year. Uh, I'll give you the win if you tell me who it is. Was it? Was it? Um, was it? Was it Don McPherson winning the Maxwell and Dave O'Brien? Yes, it was in 1987. Okay, all right. Half win for Tommy. Half win, bonus point. Love to hear yeah, it. By so the way, the I'm, guessing only the, one... I'm guessing the Walker Award was not around for Ernie no, Davis. No, no. I was going to yeah. give you that coming up yeah. here. So the only award that was made prior to 1980 was the Maxwell. That was 1937. Wow. They just the, didn't give people awards at all. The O'Brien was founded in 81. The Walker in 1990. The Buttkiss, 85. Mm-hmm. Benaric, 95. Beletnikov, 94. And the Hornung was only created in 2010. Well, there you go. There yeah. you have it. Okay. Giddy up. All right. Not bad. Not bad. I'm okay losing that one because I think it was a good discussion. We got a lot out there. Mm-hmm. It wasn't a stumper. It was right? It was educational, informative, fun. I, I, I live well. to educate kids like you. Kids like you. Kids like me. Unbelievable. Now, Lawrence Moten's the A student, so I can't really do anything with him. He is the A student. He is your teacher. He is. Oh, stop. He is. This is his dojo. This is his By uh, the way, we dojo cut or dojo Mojo Dojo Casa House. Oh, stop. By the way, congrats to Otto. Congrats to Otto. Yeah. Yeah. Congrats to Otto. And also, um, real quick before we head out, shout out Otto. Um, got to stop by SU Men's Soccer Practice last week. Ian McIntyre and the boys, they're ready. They're ready. A lot of new faces. Defending 15, champs. 15 guys left. 14 guys are in. Five went into the MLS Super Draft. One signed with an EPL team. So... Dude, they rolled Canisius in their exhibition this yeah, weekend. Yeah, by the way, they did do well with that. So they're going to be a very dangerous team again. I think a preseason number one's big shoes. But, hey, I respect the voters and that they're respecting what this team's able to do with so many new pieces. But to me, 
That take that's a lot. That's a lot to ask with so many new pieces. But if there's anyone that can do it, it's Coach McIntyre. So heavy is the head that wears the crown. Bang bang! You heard it right that's there. That's the one liner. There we go. Brendan Hodges, Samantha Crossan, Tommy Sladak, the Orange Zone Podcast. We're out of here. See you next week. Peace.